Burnout among physicians is well known, and it perhaps unsurprisingly got worse during the pandemic. A recently released survey of more than 9,100 U.S. physicians found that roughly 53% of respondents said that they experienced burnout, and 30% said their feelings of burnout have lasted longer than two years. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. It's Monday, May 15th. Burnout has been tied to adverse mental health outcomes, including anxiety and depression. And of course, burnout is not solely a concern among physicians. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy issued an advisory this time last year, warning the healthcare industry that burnout among healthcare workers, including nurses and public health workers, not only impacts individuals, but also threatens the nation's public health infrastructure. On today's episode, we hear an encore of my conversation with Dr. Nigel Geergra, Chief Wellness Officer for Oshner Health, from February. In January 2022, the New Orleans-based health system received a $2.9 million grant through the Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration to pilot programs and bolster existing ones in order to both address burnout and find ways to retain its staff. Oshner Health has 36,000 employees and operates 47 hospitals throughout the Gulf South. As part of our conversation, Dr. Geergra told me about some of the reasons why healthcare professionals in particular are prone to burnout. I think all or many healthcare professionals could be defined as uh, what we call elite professionals. So they're fastidious, conscientious, hardworking, but prone to guilt and at times uh, self-doubt and a little lacking in the self-compassion area. So I think there is in some ways an upside to this. I mean, you want healthcare professionals who go the extra mile, um, who are gonna be there 24 seven for patients. But over time, there's there's a downside uh, to being an elite professional. It leads to higher rates of burnout. And we know with burnout, there are issues with quality and safety outcomes, um, decreased professional experience, reduce discretionary efforts um, and and turnover and such. So um, we've had to shift a little bit about how we think about supporting the health, uh, mental health needs uh, with the pandemic. And we've had to sort of pivot strategically, JC. You serve as the chief wellness officer for Oshner. Can you talk a little bit more about how that role came to be? Our chief medical officer asked me in 2017 to chair a well-being task force. Uh, And then over the course of a year, JC, we started to assemble data. So qualitative data, quantitative data. We measured burnout amongst our physicians and APPs. And eventually that led to some recommendations to our executive team in the summer of 2018. And one of those was to resource an office of professional well-being, which I which I lead and uh, resource my role as chief wellness officer. And then, so over the course of a year pre-pandemic, we put together, I believe, a pretty solid strategy, evidence-based strategy. Our scope was narrow at the time. We were only focused on our physicians and APPs. And our strategy really focused on areas around practice efficiency, uh, promoting advanced team-based care, developing our leaders, and a little bit of resilience, but 
I was at the time very timid to lead with resilience. I did not want to send a message to my colleagues that the organization was saying, do a little more yoga, eat better, exercise, and everything would be better. I think the message had to be that there were systems issues that needed to be solved. Um, and I think we were building some momentum. And then obviously the the pandemic hit in March of 2020. New Orleans uh, was a hot spot, like California and New York. And a couple of things became sort of evident. What did Oshner have to do differently to respond to burnout during the pandemic? Yeah, we needed to uh, broaden our scope. So uh, we were now an office that was su- supporting the well-being needs of all 36,000 employees. And we needed to start dabbling um, in the resilient space a little more and starting to focus our efforts around mental health. And our strategy around mental health was, I think, a four-pronged approach. One is just simply raising awareness about mental health issues in the the healthcare environment. A second part of the uh, approach was to start measuring burnout, drivers of burnout, measure depression, measure PTSD. Um, A third part of the approach was normalizing the conversation. So destigmatizing the concept of mental health struggles in in the workplace. And that really revolved around our communications being a little more vulnerable and how leaders talked about their own struggles. I, I sent a letter out in the summer of 2020 when I was personally struggling with anxiety, um, and probably in retrospect, depression. And this started to send the message to our employees that it was okay to talk about these things. And then lastly, we needed to be a little more experimental in our approach to supporting the mental health needs of our healthcare workers. It's important to have an EAP program. I I think we have a very strong EAP program, but we saw um, adoption of EAP or utilization of EAP services actually go down There may be many good explanations for that, but we were starting to hear from our employees that we needed to get upstream, uh, get more on demand, meet people where they are. And so we started to just dabble in other solutions, um, trying to scale those things that may be working. And if something wasn't working, we would just sunset that program. Outside of EAP or the Employee Assistance Program that you just mentioned, can you talk a little bit more about some of the other initiatives that Oshner has piloted or even scaled up over time to support healthcare workers? Yeah, of course. And I think, JC, the message has to be it's not either EAP or other solutions. They can ideally be synergistic and complement each other. So Some of the um, offerings were in-house offerings. Uh, We created our Silver Lining series. So these were a number of sort of bite-sized, eight-minute YouTube videos sort of mimicking TEDx talks uh, that had uh, different topics around mental health or resilience. And um, these were well-received with high net promoter scores. We developed uh, an eight-hour resilience course that again was very well received um, with high net promoter scores. And then we started to listen to um, other mental health startup companies. So um, I was approached by a company called Even Health that has a platform called Cabana. And this platform seemed really intriguing to me. 
um, you know, particularly when we talk about how to reduce stigma in, in seeking uh, mental health care. And basically at its core, what Cabana is, is a group therapy session that is um, run by mental health professionals. And the I think the, um, you know, what I look at it as its competitive advantage is it is truly anonymous. You can you can create an avatar of yourself, you can disguise your voice, and then you can um, enroll for, you know, a number of different topics, things like the power of saying no, uh, how to be effective communicator, balancing work with your home life. And we, um, you know, we sort of piloted this and uh, there seemed to be a great deal of interest, particularly amongst our nurses. And so we've um, sort of scaled that program, you know, with all 36,000 employees. So we're getting great feedback. Uh, there's always opportunities for improvement, but I think this has been a, a, a nice complimentary service uh, for our employees. What have been some of the responses to these programs from healthcare workers at Oshner? Yeah, um, uh, you know, a lot of positive feedback. I can tell you a lot, lot, lot more physicians sort of opening up about their struggles. There's been a national conversation about this. Um, we're seeing many licensing boards removing questions that get at mental health concerns, which I think is, uh, you know, something that just sort of perpetuates the stigma in mental health in the healthcare sector. We're removing these questions from our credentialing applications, recredentialing applications. So um, there appears to be, I think, a certainly at Oshner, and I think at a state level, at a national level, a greater awareness, a greater conversation about mental health, and a and a movement towards normalizing the discussion. How do you see this kind of investment in well-being, uh, particularly related to burnout and mental health, uh, potentially helping health systems retain staff um, or even recruit staff? Well, I think there's been the realization that um, well-being uh, is a leading quality indicator, if not the leading quality indicator. So uh, if you're an organization that's interested in population health outcomes, you have to be interested in the well-being of your your staff. If you're interested in patient experience, uh, you need to be focused on well-being. Even if your sole interest is just financial performance, you need to be interested in well-being. So there's been a, a greater desire to invest in this area, and and sure, there is a um, a hope downstream that this will reduce turnover, that this will improve our ability to recruit talent. But I don't think 10 years ago there would have been this concept or understanding that well-being itself is a leading quality indicator. It's the, the triple aim is now the quadruple aim. Uh, clinician well-being is a very big focus on improving the, the health of our nation. That was Dr. Nigel Girgra, Chief Wellness Officer for Oshner Health. He joined the podcast in February to talk about burnout among healthcare workers and the ways his system is working to support its employees. Coming up tomorrow, we hear my follow-up conversation with Even Health founder and CEO David Black about Cabana, one of the platforms Oshner has piloted. 
This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jake Carlisle-Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. We'll be back with healthcare business and policy news updates tomorrow, as always, in 10 minutes or less. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at gisthealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The Gist Healthcare Daily Podcast is an independent production of Gist Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company.